Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true through the Voice of Hope radio broadcast. Our scripture passage is 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 to 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. What is the greatest thing in all of life? Some might say, having lots of power, pleasure, wealth, or fame. Others may say health and happiness or success. The Bible says that the greatest thing in all of life is love. Love, writes Mortimer Adler, is everywhere in the universe in all things which have their being from the generosity of God's love. John the Apostle writes, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. We come to 1 Corinthians 13, one of the mountaintop peaks of the New Testament. I want us to see 
how Paul describes the glorious subject of love in three parts. In verses 1 to 3, he talks about the utter necessity of love. In verses 4 to 7, the moral excellency of love. And in verses 8 to 13, the abiding supremacy of love. For many people, this chapter is the most inspiring and wonderful in the whole of the New Testament. It is read repeatedly in wedding ceremonies and is the subject of numerous speeches and songs. Paul begins with the utter necessity of love. He says that a man can have any spiritual gift, but if it isn't accompanied and energized by love, it's useless. People can have extraordinary spiritual gifts, intellectual gifts, the gift of great faith, the gift of giving alms to the poor, and none of it matters without love. Then in verses 4 to 7, Paul gets to the very heart of the chapter. He lists 15 characteristics of genuine divine love. These are not descriptions of natural human love, but of love defined and revealed by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. In fact, we could go through these four verses and substitute Christ for the word love. First, love is patient. This word means patient with people, not giving in to bitterness and anger. This is love passive, waiting to do its work with a humble and quiet spirit. Love is kind. This is love actively engaged in doing good to others. A wise man said the greatest thing a man can do for his heavenly father is to be kind to some of his other children. The Quaker Stephen Grillet said, Any kindness that I can show to anyone, let me do it now, for I shall not pass this way again. Love does not envy. Envy is a feeling of ill will towards others because we covet what they have and want it for ourselves. The opposite of envy is magnanimity, large-heartedness, greatness of mind and soul, being glad for the blessings of other people. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Love, beloved, is self-effacing rather than taking an attitude of superiority. Love knows its own unworthiness and is therefore humble. Love is not inflated with its own importance. Napoleon, the great leader, said, I am not like other men. The laws of morality do not apply to me. However, a truly great man never thinks of his own importance. William Carey of England began life as a shoe cobbler, a repairman. He was one of the greatest missionary linguists the world has ever seen. He translated parts of the Bible into 34 Indian languages. When he came to India, he was regarded with dislike and contempt. At a dinner party, someone asked him in a humiliating tone of voice, I suppose, Mr. Carey, you once worked as a shoemaker. No, your lordship, answered Carey, 
Not a shoemaker, just a shoe cobbler. Carrie didn't even claim to make shoes, just to mend them for others. Love is not inflated with its own importance. Love does not seek its own. Love is more concerned for the real needs of others and less preoccupied with its own rights and needs. It is said that there are really only two kinds of people in the world, those who insist on their own rights and those who always remember their responsibilities. There are people who are always thinking about what life owes them, and there are those who never forget what they owe to others. Sadly, there are those in our modern world who teach the opposite of what the Bible declares to be true. One New Age writer says, Love of self is the greatest thing you can achieve in your life. If you learn to truly love yourself, you'll find peace, love, and harmony through the help of spirit guides always available to you. Beloved, this is a search for love that will lead to deeper and deeper darkness. Love is not provoked. It doesn't lose its temper. Kipling, the famous English poet, said that it was the test of a man that he could keep his head when everyone else was losing theirs. Jonathan Edwards, the third president of Princeton University, and one of the greatest preachers in history, had a daughter with an uncontrollable temper. A young man fell in love with his daughter and came to ask Edwards for her hand in marriage. Dr. Edwards, I want to marry your daughter. May I please have your permission? You can't have her, Edwards abruptly answered. But I love her, the young man said. You still can't have her. Edwards repeated. But she loves me, replied the young man. You still can't have her. Why, he asked, because she's not worthy of you. But, but she's a Christian, isn't she? Yes, responded Edwards, but the grace of God can live with some people with whom no one else could ever live. Love does not store up the memory of wrongs received. The word used in verse 5 for thinks no evil is an accountant's word for entering something in a ledger so that it won't be forgotten. Our problem, beloved, is that we do store up memory of wrongs received. One of the great lessons of life is to learn what to forget and what to put behind us. Don't meditate on past hurts or wrongs. Let them go. 1 Peter 4.8 says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Love doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. There is something perverse in human nature that secretly rejoices to hear of the misfortunes of others, of the falling of others into trouble or difficulty or sin. Well, he deserves that. He had it coming to him. That's rejoicing in iniquity. 
but love rejoices in the truth. John Huss, the 15th century godly priest and reformer, said, Therefore, faithful Christian, seek the truth, hear the truth, learn the truth, love the truth, speak the truth, adhere to the truth, and defend the truth even unto death. For the truth will make you free from sin, the devil, and death. Love bears all things. Love bears any insult, any injury, any disappointment. It endures trouble with fortitude and without resentment. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, David and his fighting men return from war to find their city burned with fire and their wives and children taken captive. They weep bitterly over their loss, and the people speak of stoning David, for they needed someone to blame. The scripture says, But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David endured under hardship and pressure because he allowed his heart to be filled with the love of his Lord. Love believes all things. Love trusts in God no matter what. Love takes God at his word and places our confidence in him. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Love never ceases to hope. Love keeps looking up and refuses to despair. Our Lord Jesus believed that no one was hopeless, but all could experience the joy of forgiveness and union and communion with him. Adam Clark was a famous British theologian. But during his school days, he was very slow to learn. One day, a distinguished visitor visited his school, and the teacher pointed his finger at Adam Clark and said, That is the stupidest boy in our whole school. Before he left, the visitor took Adam Clark privately aside and spoke kindly to him. Never mind what your teacher said, my boy. You will be a great scholar someday. Don't be discouraged. Try hard and keep on trying. The teacher was unloving and hopeless. The visitor was loving and hopeful. You are listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true through the Voice of Hope Radio. Let's continue our lesson. Love endures all things. Love allows us to stay focused even in the most adverse circumstances and to transform them for the better. The word used here in verse 7 is one of the greatest Greek words. It means to hold up under trial, not with passive resignation, but with triumphant fortitude, to remain steadfast in the face of unpleasant circumstances. Winston Churchill, Prime Minister of Great Britain during the fierce onslaught of Hitler in World War II, said, We cannot tell what the course of this awful war will be as it spreads remorseless through ever wider regions. But we know that we shall not flinch from the supreme trial. With the help of God, 
of which we must all feel daily conscious, we shall continue steadfast in faith and duty until our task is done. That's holding up under difficult circumstances. So here we have the analysis of love, the portrait of love, as it is revealed and modeled in the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now, the great opportunity we have is to experience and practice love in our daily lives. This is the great commandment, to love God and to love our neighbor. How do we do it? Life is full of opportunities to learn and practice love. The world is not a playground, but a schoolroom in which to learn love. Life is not unending entertainment, but constant education in the art of loving. What makes a good artist, a good musician, a good athlete, a good linguist, a good secretary, a good housekeeper, a good lawyer, a good doctor? Practice. Practice and more practice. Remember that each of these descriptions of love aren't adjectives or nouns. They're verbs. Love isn't a feeling or an emotion. It's an action of our will and commitment. Love isn't known by what it feels or by what it says, but by what it does. That's why Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, in verses 8 to 13, Paul describes the abiding supremacy of love. He has three final things to say. He says that the virtues of faith, hope, and love outlast all spiritual gifts. That's because faith, hope, and love have absolute permanency. What this means is that when everything that man thinks is important has passed away, faith, hope, and love will stand. And love is the greatest of the three virtues. When our homes and our buildings, our possessions, our money, our books, our programs, our initiatives are gone, love will endure forever. Song of Solomon chapter 8 says, Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. The one and only thing that is absolutely unconquerable is love. It stands against the assaults of time and circumstance and transcends even death. Some people are curious about heaven and eternity. What will heaven be like, they wonder? Paul says in verse 10, When the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When Christ returns to complete human history and renew all creation, eternity will begin and we will experience heaven on earth. At this time, what will be the dominating attitude, impulse, and experience of eternal heaven? 
it will be unstoppable, overwhelming, lavish, abundant faith, hope, and love. Throughout the long ages of eternity, faith will continue to change into vision as we see God face to face and adore Him. Hope will continually change into possession as our longing for joyful union with God is continually satisfied. Faith, hope, and love endure forever, and love is the greatest of these virtues. Love overflowing and overwhelming with joy and peace in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. C.S. Lewis talks about this unspeakably wonderful moment of total love and joy in heaven. He says, At the present we are on the outside of the world, the wrong side of the door. We discern the freshness and purity of morning, but they do not make us fresh and pure. We cannot mingle with the splendors we see. But all the leaves of the New Testament are rustling with the rumor that it will not always be so. Someday, God willing, we shall get in. Get into what, beloved? Into extravagant, unending, abounding, everlasting love. Paul says in verses 11 to 13 that there is a time when prophecy and tongues and knowledge will pass away. These are all temporary modes of understanding and communication. All this will one day drop away, and we will be left standing naked before God, stripped of all accomplishments, knowledge, and possessions. But if we are clothed with faith, hope, and love, we shall not be found naked in God's eyes. We must cultivate these higher virtues here in our earthly life. For if we hold fast to faith, hope, and love, death will not take from us what is most important, but will usher us into the perfect form of all that we have been and done upon the earth. Faith, hope, and love are the only eternal realities. Your gifts, abilities, talents, and relationships are temporary. Your possessions and ministries and acquisitions are temporary, but faith, hope, and love connect you to God for eternity. When the Christian stands in the white light of God's holy love, in the beauty of the fullness of intimate personal communion and fellowship with God, all the limitations of this life will be gone. We will no longer struggle with the incompleteness of prophecy, knowledge, and spiritual gifts because we will see God and speak with Him face to face. God calls each of us to grow more and more in the fullness of His love. This is the constant theme of all of Paul's epistles. Ephesians 5.2 says, Walk in love just as Christ also loved you. Philippians 1.9, May your love abound still more and more. Colossians 3.14, Above everything else, put on love. 1 Thessalonians 5.13, Esteem one another very highly in love. 2 Thessalonians 3.5, Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God. 
1 Timothy 1.5, but the goal of our instruction is love. 2 Timothy 2.22, flee youthful lusts, but pursue love. Beloved, we could go on and on and on through each of the New Testament epistles to find this focus on love. Now, let's make this very practical and down-to-earth. Love is a lofty calling, but we need to work it out in our daily, day-to-day lives. How do we lay hold of God's love and become more and more people of love? First, we must realize that all that we are and all that we have is a gift of God's love. God's love is prior to all things and is the source of all. The poet Henley said, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Henley got it wrong. We are not the captains of our own lives. We are not the masters of our own fate. We are utterly dependent upon God at every moment. Understanding this develops within us gratitude and humility, two prerequisites for receiving and giving love. People who are proud and ungrateful cannot receive and give love. We must thankfully acknowledge that our entire life, our breath, our family, our work, our church, the Bible, forgiveness, eternal life, all the good of salvation, everything is a gift of God's immeasurable love. Even prayer itself, even our progress in growing in Christ and in being united with God and enjoying communion with Him is a gift of God's love. Second, beloved, we must lay hold of God's love as we immerse ourselves ever more deeply into His love. We must rest confidently in love's immensity. This requires a constant turning inwardly to God and practicing awareness of His presence, as Brother Lawrence would say. We must be drowned in the overwhelming sea of God's love. We must constantly daily fall in deeper and deeper love with the Lord Jesus. As the chorus goes, I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. One of my favorite hymns of all time is, Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. Vast, unmeasured, boundless, free, rolling like a mighty ocean in its fullness over me. Underneath me, all around me, is the current of thy love, leading onward, leading homeward, to my glorious rest above. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, spread his praise from shore to shore. How he loveth, ever loveth, changeth never, never more. How he watcheth over all his loved ones, died to call them all his own. How for them he intercedeth, watcheth o'er them from the throne. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, love of every love the best. Tis an ocean vast of blessing, tis a haven sweet of rest. 
Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. Tis a heaven of heavens to me, and it lifts me up to glory, for it lifts me up to thee. You've been listening to Exaltation on the Voice of Hope radio broadcast. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at godetministries.org. That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E ministries.org. Or by email at contact at godetministries.org. We always appreciate hearing from our listening audience. Share a prayer request with us and we'll pray for you. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint.